Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Bill Good and Helen Jacquard. They are with Veterans for Peace, the Golden Rule Project. Bill Good is a veteran, local activist, and educator. He has worked on numerous issues pertaining to the environment, human rights, education, and labor at local, state, and federal levels. He's been sailing for 15 years, and when the opportunity came to sail on the historic Golden Rule, he jumped on board. Helen Jacquard is the lead organizer for the Veterans for Peace Golden Rule Project. She spreads the word about the continuing dangers of nuclear power and the poisoning of our air, water, and soil from the entire nuclear cycle, from uranium mining to the disposal of nuclear waste. Veterans for Peace, the Golden Rule Project. Talk about this project. What is it? Can we start with you, Helen? Well, yes, I'd like to start a little bit with history about how this whole thing came to be, which is that in 1958, four Quaker peace activists decided to sail the Golden Rule towards the Marshall Islands. Well, they were going to sail to the Marshall Islands. They didn't make it in in an attempt to stop nuclear weapons testing there. The United States detonated 67 nuclear weapons in the Marshall Islands from 1946 to 1958. Um, they they weren't successful then, but ultimately that action led to the the signing of the nuclear weapons testing treaty signed by the United States, the UK, and the USSR. And ultimately, of course, nuclear weapons testing ended. And also it has inspired the founding of Greenpeace and other boats that do activism that way. In 2010, this boat was rediscovered by Veterans for Peace, and they decided that they were going to rebuild her and put her back on her nuclear abolition mission. So 2010 to 2015, she was being rebuilt, and finally we relaunched and started to talk about what's going on now with nuclear weapons and nuclear energy and the whole uranium cycle and um, how you can stop the possibility of nuclear war. And as and we talk about the United Nations Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which just came into force two years ago. Excellent. Bill, can you tell our listeners how you got involved and why you got involved with the Golden Rule Project? So... Um, I'm a member of a sailing club in Sandusky where I sail, and one of the club members there was involved with fundraising for the rebuilding of the Golden Rule, and he brought it to my attention that they were doing the Great Loop this this year, and that they would be coming through Ohio over the summer, and I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to do two things that I really care about, which is sailing and taking care of our environment and helping to spread the world, you know, like word and educate people about the risk of nuclear energy and specifically nuclear weapons. And so that's how I got involved. Well, and um, how did you get involved with um, Veterans for Peace and Golden Rule Project? I, I got involved with Veterans for Peace in 2006 when I learned that there was such a thing as a peace movement. I had no clue. 
And so I met my partner and he told me all about it. Later, I married him a year ago, two days ago. Anyway, um, and then uh, we heard about the golden rule and went and visited her in Northern California where she was undergoing her reconstruction. And I couldn't believe what I saw. You guys are going to try and restore that and you're going to sail it? Really? And then um, looked at it again in 2013. And in 2015, a call went out to all the members of Veterans for Peace to come help finish the boat. So Jerry and I were living in an RV at the time, and we moved our home into the boat yard and got busy. But I really got involved when I was a computer programmer. And so I put the application form for crew up online and tested the process by filling it out. Well, guess what? I'd never sailed before, but they said, you're going to be a member of the maiden voyage of the Golden Rule. <laughs> really? Uh, so what are you thinking here? They said, well, we need a public speaker. You're going to be with other good sailors. They can handle that part. I said, well, I, I've never done that either. <laughs> but here I am eight years later, <laughs> awesome. sailing and speaking and doing all the rest of the stuff a project manager does. I can't think of a better way to see the country and the um, beautiful beaches and, and harbors than to be um, sailing on a boat that has a environmental message. I mean, I, I, I'm jealous. I think that's awesome. Fill out a crew application form, vfpgoldenrule.org slash crew dash application, or just go on the website and find yourself there and, uh, you can come sailing with us. Even if you don't know how to sail? Yep. So we always have a, a really experienced captain and first mate. And then we can have one or two other people um, longer term that are inexperienced. Or we can take you just on a one-day transit. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that for sure. Where is the golden rule right now? Today? The 8th of just. 8th of March. She just pulled into Beaufort, North Carolina about two hours ago. And then about half an hour ago, Mayor Sharon Harker came down to the boat and gave us an amazingly nice welcome. One of the best ones we've ever had. And there were several other people came along to welcome the Golden Rule to Beaufort. And Bill Good's friend, sailing friend, Skip Oliver and his wife, Mary Jane, are here to to welcome us as well so it's it's just a wonderful day here nice and as you are you working your way up the east coast and then um through the the great lakes and then you'll end up in ohio which is cleveland sandusky exactly. and Toledo, right right we trucked the golden rule from california to minnesota and went down the center of the country and then around to the tip of florida and to cuba and back and now we're headed up past portland maine and then back through the Hudson River, Erie Canal, and Oswego Canal, so we can do a lot of the Great Lakes. And so we will be in Cleveland, August 4 through 8, Sandusky, August 8 through 10, and Toledo, August 10 to 13. So we have three stops in Ohio. Okay, Bill, this, when are you jumping board? Not jumping board, climbing on board and helping out. Um, so I will be joining them towards the later part of May. They should be around New York City 
and going up the east coast to Maine and then back to New York City and through the Hudson. And we'll be back to Sandusky, which is my home port, right around the time that I have to go back to work next year. So <laughs> I think they start the same weekend. So I'll have my whole summer You're ready to go. Your whole summer on this on this ship. Pretty much, yes. That's very exciting. I understand there's like, is there a kickoff event happening in Ohio in the next month or so? Or is that just online um, information? Can people get more information online about this whole process? Obviously, they can go to the website, uh, VFP, Veterans for Peace, Golden Rule Project. And there's a schedule there. It talks about the history of the boat. There's some videos and people can learn about the history and that's one of the things that I'm like doing with your radio show is to reach out to people here in central Ohio that I can maybe get some other organizations to start, start participating. Um, I know we've talked to members of Sierra Club, and that's a great opportunity for them to get some other organizations, Democratic Party members from Cleveland. And I, you know, I know people in central Ohio, but I'm not so familiar with people in Northeast and Cleveland and and that area. So that's one of the things that uh, as an ask is that if you know people that might be interested, the Sierra club, help us organize some of the events on land so that when we get to Cleveland, we do teach-ins and help spread the word that way with um, different organizations. There's a long history of the Quaker community because those original sailors were also Quakers and Bigelow was the captain and he later became Quaker. So if there's Quaker friends groups, they have a long connect, a long history and connection to this project. And um, some of the, like the Black Lives Matter groups, and there's actually a lot of history there. And you know, you really have to learn the history of the boat and the people. But after uh, Bigelow, who was the captain of the original Golden Rule, after the nuclear movement, and he became a Quaker, he also went directly into the civil rights movement. And I didn't know this until I was reading. Um, John Lewis's biography over Christmas, and it turns out when the when the Freedom Riders went into Alabama, and the bus that got burnt, uh, and it, you know they pulled over the one bus, and eventually the bus got caught on fire. And but it turns out that um, Bigelow, the original captain, he was actually on that bus with the Freedom Riders, and was sitting in the seat next to John Lewis on that bus. Wow! So. Um, and when you start like reading about the history of the original crew and the things that they did, there's a strong connection with lots of other groups. So that, that was one of the things that I was going to make sure that we ask people go to the website. What's the website, Bill? It's VFP, like Veterans for Peace, and VFP Golden Rule Project.com. It's .com, .com not .org? Dot org. It is dot org. Okay. Dot v- org. VFP Golden Rule Project dot org. Got it. That is correct. 
And then you can go on the Facebook page also. It's VF. It's um, Golden Rule Peace Boat is what to look for. Okay, this is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Helen Jacquard and Bill Good. They are with Veterans for Peace, the Golden Rule Project. And the Golden Rule is a, bo- is a boat, a sailing boat. Can you tell us a little bit about the size of this boat and how many crew members can be on this boat, Helen? You betcha. 39 feet overall, but only 30 feet at the, at the waterline because she has a really beautiful arched bowsprit um, in the front. And so we call her a 34-foot boat most of the time because that's kind of what it's equivalent to. We have four bunks. But if we're on a longer voyage, then we like to have only three people aboard just so that there's enough room for everyone's stuff for, you know, to last for a month. So we have three or four people as, you know, longer term crew. And then if we're going just on a day transit, then we can take additional people. You know, sometimes four people uh, will hop aboard and go from one city to the next with us, which is a lot of fun. And it allows us to bond better with the people that are there and um, get to know them better. We have met so many wonderful people on this voyage, supporters that'll help us with housing and food and transportation and arranging for docks, all kinds of things and scheduling events. So if you're in one of the cities we're going to be visiting, we need lots of help to come out and see everybody. We need... um, we visit with Quakers and Unitarians and schools of children of, or adults of all ages and um, all kinds of, of groups. If you're part of a group, you might invite us to come speak with you. And veterans groups, don't forget. And veterans groups, that's right. Um, mostly Veterans for Peace, but we do um, welcome opportunities to speak with veterans of any you know sort. A friend of mine, uh, activist here in Columbus, she's with Move to Amend, the Columbus Community Bill of Rights. Um, she said she wants to join um, the Veterans for Peace. Is there any way, how, what's, how do people become involved? Well, if you want to get involved with Veterans for Peace itself, the, our parent organization, then you just go to veteransforpeace.org and there's a place, there's a link to join or renew. And you just fill out the form and pay $40 and you're a member. Um, we take not just veteran members, but associate members like me who are not veterans. And we play a really big role in the organization and help lift up the veterans voice. You know, those that have been there and, and understand the true costs of war personally. You know, that's basically the, the whole point of it is to make sure that the veterans voice is heard in a way that people can understand why we don't want any war. That takes me to a, a big realization after watching the 23-minute documentary that you have on your web um, website called Making Waves, Rebirth of the Golden Rule. An excellent, excellent documentary. But what really impacted me the most were the stories of the veterans and why they're involved with the Golden Rule Project and why they are veterans for peace. Their stories were powerful and um, it, it resonates with the whole country because we all know veterans and we all know veterans that have been impacted forever for their whole life because of, of war. Um, 
I would like to ask you, where does the expression golden rule come from? Well, the original owners of the boat named her that. And so I'm assuming it's from the proverbial, you know, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And I think of it now as don't bomb others as you wouldn't want others to bomb you. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's just my interpretation of it. And I think that um, it's a really great rule. And we try to always follow that in our travels so that people, you know, want to listen to our message and have us return to their town someday and um, that we're respectful everywhere we go. Has the war between Ukraine and Russia fueled an interest in your work? Absolutely. It's the, it represents the biggest danger to um, peace that we've had in, in my lifetime. You know, two nuclear-armed countries having a proxy war in a third country is essentially what I see is going on. And if we don't, if this war doesn't stop, then eventually it could lead to a nuclear exchange. Now, I don't really believe that that's going to happen, but I think it's a danger that we need to pay attention to and use it as a way to educate people about what could happen in a nuclear exchange. You know, the thing is, is if only 100 nuclear weapons are detonated, of you know, modern nuclear weapons, the soot and ash from the fires that the, that the mushroom cloud sucks up way up into the stratosphere would block the sunlight and cause crop failure. And 2 billion people would starve. That's 100 weapons, 2 billion people starve. Now, all of the nuclear-armed submarines in the U.S. fleet have many, many more times that yield to cause that to happen. So we really have to work on disarmament now, and people get it. We haven't thought about this since the 1980s much. And now people are going, whoa, this is getting pretty scary. Yeah. Um, interesting, um, because I have a personal connection with Ukraine. And as a person who wants Ukraine to be able to have a country and not be invaded by a bullying you know, country, it's a quandary. When, when you want peace and you don't want nuclear threat, Um, How do Veterans for Peace, how do you justify or how do you figure out how to get out of this situation where Ukraine doesn't just fold to Russia? Well, you need to um, understand a a few things about the history of, of the conflict and not to justify it, but to help that history to come forward to the present day where we know that there are solutions that leave both uh, Russia and the UK and also, as far as that's concerned, Europe in a place of greater security. So we need to listen rather than get fearful or, or attacking ourselves so that we can understand what can solve this problem and what can make it worse. Yeah. I know it's complex, very complex. Bill. Okay, so, you know, jumping on, like, you've kind of both, like, mentioned part of it, but I'd like to, like, point out, like, we are a good generation removed from 
people that were alive during the Cold War. Um, we all actually, you know, we remember those things as kids growing up and always having that threat. But we're now a generation removed. And a lot of times we're talking about this two generations of people removed from the idea of nuclear annihilation of the planet. And it's been pushed to the rear and people don't talk about it. It doesn't get discussed. And but, the, you know, all those weapons are still here. The threat is still here. And it's hard to get people involved and to care about issues if they're not in the forefront and people don't want to deal with those difficult issues they don't want to have to face it and fear and think about it all the time so part of the problem is how do you get people to really start thinking about this stuff and what are some issues and how do we find solutions to it and so that's part of what I think the golden rule is, is um, you know, bringing those personal stories, bringing that personal story to people so that it, it makes a connection with their personal lives. And so I can use the example. Earlier this year, I was teaching about nuclear energy and some of the negative consequences environmentally and to people. And I discussed the Piketon plant and issues that we've got here in Ohio about the Piketon plant. And it's hard. Yeah, the nuclear diffusion, which is really where we made all the fuel for these nuclear bombs. But the consequences, you know, it's hard for people to really, well, that's them down in Piketon. It's not, how does it affect me? And so part of that is to bring those personal stories. And so um, I found a story, you know, about the, there was a young man, a kid, a high school kid that was in Piketon and he um, ended up having cancer and he was a, he was a star athlete, a baseball player. And by sharing that story, well, now kids, can, you know, people can connect to that personal story. It, it seems more real. Yeah, this is a real person. He was a great athlete and a good a baseball player. And so uh, bringing that personal story into it helps people connect and start to really deal with like this serious issue. And I think that I think that's part of what we're trying to do with Golden Rule is bring real connections to people, bring this issue, make it, um, you know, share stories and like and make people remember or learn and, and, you know, educate people that the threat's still there. Yeah. I have another personal connection. My sister, um, when she was in college was in the Marshall islands, um, working to teach English as a second language. And, um, you know, she had mentioned something about nuclear, um, testing there before, but not a lot. And I wonder, you know, how much the people that she worked with were impacted by the nuclear testing, the strontium that, that resulted from um, the, the reactions in their air and their soil and their water. And I'm wondering if it even would have impacted my sister because I'd never thought of, I had not thought about um, the Marshall Islands till I saw this um, documentary from your um, website. 
I think I encourage everybody to to watch it. It's uh, very educational and, and excellent. Um, just gives an overview. I want to go on to the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. I can. Um, can you talk about where I can is right now and how what they do is related to what you're doing? Well, it's it's the biggest component, really. Um, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons was instrumental in getting the United Nations Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons language passed on July 7th, 2017, by a vote of 122 nations to one. And so they won the Nobel Peace Prize for that. Um, we're a member of ICANN, uh, both as the Golden Rule Project and as Veterans for Peace. So we kind of feel like we share a little bit in that um, Nobel Peace Prize. And our our biggest message really is about the, the nuclear ban treaty, um, how it came about. And the story I told about the effects of 100 nuclear bombs is the Physicians for Social Responsibility and International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War um, message about why we need to eliminate these weapons before they eliminate us. So it's it's all about that. Um, and then there's a ICANN um, Cities campaign where cities can declare support for eliminating nuclear weapons and they register then with ICANN. And as we get more and more cities saying no to nuclear weapons, then we'll get this groundswell of support that ultimately will turn things around. It's going to take a while, but you know now we have 88 signatories to the, the nuclear weapons ban, and we have another 20 or 30 that have signed but not ratified yet. That's a lot of countries that are giving the world's message, we don't want nuclear weapons. Nobody in the world really does. What we need to do is give them hope that they can be eliminated. Bring people hope instead of fear. And I think we'll get there. What are some of the surprises that you've had on your trip and being involved with this project? Um, that just kind of like, wow, I didn't expect that. People or, or places or reactions. Dubuque, Iowa was the biggest one. There's the group of... 800 to 1,000 people from the Marshall Islands that live there. And what I learned was that they can't live in their country comfortably now because they can't fish, they can't eat the fish, they can't grow food that's not contaminated with uh, radioactivity. And so they come here to the United States so that they can work and, they can work and live here um, by a compact of free association, it's called. And so they come and they bring their families and they settled there and they didn't even know anything about the, the, the um, golden rule and the Phoenix trying to get to them to try to stop nuclear weapons testing. So it was really great when there was, we came down the Mississippi river, we came into Dubuque and to a whole lot of Marshallese people playing their ukuleles and singing their songs in their traditional costumes and welcoming us into their community that they've adopted here in the U.S. And it really made us feel fantastic. Wow, that's a great story to end this wonderful session. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Helen, for joining us on Grassroot Ohio. We'll make sure that folks hear this far and wide 
and um, Godspeed on the boat. Maybe I'll get up there this summer. That'd be great. Come visit. I will. Thanks, Bill. You know, I'm going to drag you up there and put you on that boat. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Okay. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRSFM.org, 92.7, 98.3 FM Columbus, and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP 107.1 FM in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.